Hey there, Lisa Schwartz here. Welcome to my podcast, Teach and Talk with Lisa, where we are unpacking biblical principles with everyday words and applying them to our everyday lives. Today, we are going to be talking about worship, the first episode of many episodes. This is an entire series that we're talking about worship. We're going to be diving in today, talking specifically about what is worship. My co-host helping me for this series is affectionately my son, Turner Schwartz, but ministerially, you are in a youth pastoring position. We were able to rock it out on talking about parents discipling their teens in today's culture. So if you have not seen that episode, go back, check out the discipleship series and check out that episode, two episodes that you were in, where we talked about how to connect with teens in today's culture and really disciple them. Some powerful stuff. Yeah. All right. But today... Let's dive into worship. Let's do it. Now, before I do this, today we're going to be talking specifically about what is worship. More specifically, we're going to be taking a look at the biblical context of worship. Um, Now, you've had a lot of experience in worship. I've had a lot of experience in worship. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about your worship experience. Yeah, so um, I grew up as a worship leader, if you will, uh, in high school, led worship at a church. Um, guitar and singing and we used to have worship nights at the house all the time we'd have people and uh, then I went to school actually for worship arts and after one semester of music theory I was like <laughs> no this ain't it was it. the music theory that turned you off this ain't it interesting um, okay but um, but I still consider worship um, specifically through the avenue of music to be one of my passions but I also work with athletes a lot and uh I love teaching them that their sport uh, is also a form of worship. So, which I think we're going to talk. I love that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel like that's yeah. going to be super relevant. And I love that, you know, a little foreshadowing. I think we're going to talk about living, being a living sacrifice yes. today, which athletes get that. Okay. Like they get being offering their body as a living Ooh, sacrifice. I love this. Yes, this is going to be a great Yes. Episodes, so make sure you hang in all the way to the end because that's kind of more towards the end. We're going to yeah. be talking about that living Let's sacrifice. Jump ahead too far. Yeah, no, you're good. Exactly. So I actually sang in a music ministry for nine years, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, seven women also have been on several worship teams. I've never really been the worship leader, but just been on worship teams. I'm really, I really can't play instruments very much, um, but can sing. Love to sing. Um, But this is beautiful because this kind of segues beautifully about how we kind of talk about our worship experience and how in our culture we make worship all about music and emotion. (laughs) And it's it's almost like worship has become a genre. Yep. You know? Um, Go ahead. Yeah. I was saying (laughs) if you, you know, you go on Spotify or Apple Music, what are the worship, what are the genres? There's rock and roll, hip hop, R&B. Worship, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. it's what our culture's made it. It's yes. made it a genre of music. It absolutely has. So we want to today really kind of take a look at scripturally, what does the word say about worship? Let's so let's it. take a look at the Hebrew. So now for those of you who are just tuning in, maybe you're not that familiar with scripture, that's okay. In the Old Testament, scripture is written in two sections, Old Testament, which is before Jesus, New Testament, which is after the birth of Jesus, the life of Jesus, and then after the death of Jesus. So when we're looking at the Old Testament, the original language was written in the Hebrew. 
So I love the Hebrew language because it's very poetic. And what we find is a lot of times we have one English word that in the Hebrew actually means like 12 to 14 different things. And this is one of the reasons why we want to look at it in context. Mm -hmm. Same thing with the Greek. Mm -hmm. um, but the Hebrew language is very poetic. It often gives somewhat metaphorical, sometimes gives a very uh, a picturesque type um, understanding of a word. So when we're looking at the Hebrew word uh, worship, it comes from the Hebrew word shaka. That's S-H-K. Shaka. <laughs> shaka. <laughs> it comes from the Hebrew word shaka, which means to depress, to lay prostrate, to bow down. It is the idea of putting oneself low in mm -hmm. comparison to another. So good. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Tell me why you think that's so good. Well, I, you know, I have a personal experience, uh, you know, a testimony of a time where I felt like the Lord was telling me, you need to go lower, you need to go lower, you need to go lower. I think I've told you that yes, story uh -huh. before. Um, so that speaks to me just with this concept of, you know, laying down my life, laying down, being prostrate. There's, there's so much that that ties in with. Uh, and I've never even realized before that, that that word can also mean that. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. So the Greek word comes from the word prosunio, which means to bow down. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> to be low and to lay prostrate. So, so it's like it's interesting because that sometimes that I, sometimes that doesn't happen. A lot of times that doesn't happen where we have an English word and it means the same things in the Hebrew and the Greek. Mm -hmm. So I love that they literally me have the same definition in the yep. Hebrew and the Greek. Yep, okay. that's really neat. So let me just for fun, I want to read to you the Webster. So this is just how we as a culture have defined worship. Here's, here's the definition. The act of showing respect or love for God, especially by praying with other people who believe that in the same God. It's excessive admiration for someone, a person of importance used as for a title or various officials. It is a reverence offered, a reverence offered a divine being or a supernatural power, also an act of expression such as reverence a form of religious practice with its creed and ritual, extravagant respect or admiration for or devotion to an object esteem, such as a worship of, we worship the dollar. Yeah. Okay? okay. So while none of these are necessarily off, I don't think it captures really the simplicity of the picture of bowing down. Yeah. yeah I agree with you. <laughs> totally yeah. prostrate. Was, yep. I don't see it in, in here anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it, it's it's so it's interesting how we've kind of picked up on the act of expressing our reverence. Now, one of my, um, for lack of a better term, concerns with how we have kind of adopted worship is we've kind of made it all about emotion and experience. We have, yeah. And um, and and if, for those of you who have watched my my series on the glory versus the anointing, we talked about the glory being the character, the nature of God, versus the anointing is the movement and what I feel of God. Like when I begin to feel the presence of God, that's the anointing that we feel moving. Mm -hmm. The anointing, in some regard, is 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 the child. I always say the glory is the adult, and it gives birth to the anointing. It's good. And a lot of times what happens is we try to use the anointing to cultivate the presence of God 
where the reality is, it's the presence of God that should cultivate the anointing of God. And I think that's why I'm challenged with the emotion. I think a lot of times we try and use emotion to get into a place of worship instead of saying, if I just get into a position, because Mm -hmm. really what I'm hearing in this is worship is more about a position. It's more about a posture. And then it should give way to the emotion that I'm looking for and that we want, that experience that we're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. I think worship, uh, worship has to cost something, right? Like if it has to cost our, us being comfortable. Ooh, I love that. You know? Yeah. It's like, I'm I'm gonna get in a position that I might not feel super comfortable in. Uh, And and the older you get, the less comfortable it is. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, and man, like whether that's, I really don't know what my friends think about me right Mm -hmm. now. You know, I'm looking through this at the event uh, through the lens of youth ministry. Sure, absolutely. I don't know what my friends are going to think about me if I raise my hand, or I don't know. Man, that's so good. Like, do it because you're already entering into that just by assuming the posture. Yes. Like, I love that. Yes. That it's going to make you uncomfortable to do it because, you know, that shows, hey, I'm I'm stepping into the next level. It has to cost you something, right? Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to look at a story, actually. We are going to be looking at a story. So let's, first of all, let's go down uh, the path of what is praise. Okay. Because I think a lot of times, so I'm going to give you the Bible. If you want okay. to look up Psalm 114, 100 verse 4 for us. But I'm going to read... The Hebrew meaning for the word praise, which I love. Uh, So there's actually two words in the Hebrew meaning praise. Now, now I just want to read this. This is about worship. But I want to read this just to show the distinguish, to distinguish the difference, that there is a distinct difference between worship and praise. Okay? Both are biblical. Both are important, but they are very different. Uh, Halal and yada. Halal means to shine, to flash forth light. To praise, to boast, to be boastful, um, to be praised, to be worthy of praise. Uh, Yada means to throw, to shoot, to cast, to give thanks, to praise, to confess, to give thanks. Um, A lot of places it talks about to lift up. Um, If I had to nutshell, if I were talking to students, Mm -hmm. I would say this is what you need to know. Praise is lifting up someone else worship is bowing down to someone else yep right so one is i'm lifting i'm lifting up i'm giving high praises i'm lifting up the presence of the lord but let's be honest he's already in the highest place yeah (laughs) so the best way to lift him up is to bow down Mm -hmm. really so it's a positional thing where we're recognizing there's an authority in the room and if you think about it, like in, in a lot of cultures, it's very normal to bow to each other. It's a sign of respect. It's a sign of honor. Um, we see that in military. We see that with kings and queens where they bow. It's a recognition. It's a postural act that says, I recognize you as authority in the yeah. room. Yeah. It's <laughs> really good. It is really good. Okay. So let's go to praise here. Come. Psalm 104, if you were going to read that for me. Yeah. Psalm, I'm having you read it because I'm on my reading glasses. I got you. <laughs> First of all, this Bible is really cool. Um, love it. Psalm 100, <laughs> verse 4. Uh, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Okay, so here I'm just giving you the biblical example of where we're getting that word 
praise from. And there is, there is, we enter into his courts with thanksgiving and praise. We enter into his um, gates with thanksgiving and praise. And I think, I think we need to do an episode, and maybe it'll be the episode after this, where we talk about the actual tabernacle and the way that it's laid out and how it's compared to the physical body and the process in which they had to go through to get into the Holy of Holies. And it's a, it's, that's a worship. Like mm-hmm. we're looking at this whole mm-hmm. thing of worship. But again, I had you read this. Thank you for reading that. Yep. Because I wanted us to see the difference between worship and praise. So again, there is a place, a very powerful place, position for praise, but it's the idea of lifting up. It's to lift up, whereas worship is to bow down, to pay honor. It's our response to God. Um, and it's, I like to say, say people, like a lot of times we make our whole life about um our affection to God instead of recognizing his affection toward us. That's good. Yeah, that is good. (laughs) We make our relationship with the Lord all about our commitment to him instead of it being about his commitment towards us and just sitting in the covenant of the king. Yep. All right. So so let's talk about where are some places where we first see worship in the Bible. Okay. And what does it look like? So we were looking to the Bible to really give us some examples of not just what is worship, but what does it look like? So in Genesis 22, 5, and I think I was telling you this, the first place we see the word worship used in Scripture is in Genesis 22, 5. It's the story of Abraham and Isaac. You want to give us a quick synopsis of that story? Yeah. So um, essentially God asks Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac on an altar and, uh, and Abraham obeys. Yeah, he does. So he said in verse 5, it says, He, meaning Abraham, said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. And we will worship. And then we will, we will come back to you. so many fascinating oh, things. And just <laughs> you and I are like preachers at heart. So we're yeah. like, oh, we're about to preach on this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but here's the deal. Like you just said he's been called to go and sacrifice his son. But what does Abraham call it? Calls it worship. He calls it worship. Yep. So you touched on this a little bit earlier. We learned from this that worship, the idea of bowing. So he's worshiping in that he's submitting himself. So it is a it is a position that I believe we somehow some often need to put ourselves in. But it's more a position of the heart, right? Mm-hmm. It's an attitude and saying. This doesn't make any sense. You got to remember that Ab- that Isaac was the promised son of Abraham. Mm-hmm. If I'm Abraham, I'm thinking that doesn't make any sense. Yep. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But there's a posture of if God says it, I believe it and I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And he doesn't call it sacrifice. He calls it worship. He calls yep. it worship. And and how many times have you know, have we been in a room full of worshipers, but we see someone that we're like, man, that person is worshiping really weird, <laughs> you know, or we're like the posture that they're taking or what they feel like God is asking them to do. You know, for me, it's flag people, right? Like I don't get the flags, but, <laughs> but so for me, I'm like, man, that that's strange. Like that's not how I worship, but I also, if I'm in this situation, I'm I'm looking at Abraham and going, that's not how I would worship, you know? Right. Like, it's the same situation where I'm like, yeah, you know, I wish that, you know, sometimes when I see people, you know, worshiping in a way that I think looks uncomfortable, or I'm like, I wouldn't worship like that. I just need to check my heart and go, 
I love you know, it. God, I want to see you the way they see you. Yeah, I love it. I, I, th- I do think that there's something beautiful about that prostrate position when you're bowed down and that mm-hmm. you are completely undistracted mm-hmm. and all you can focus on is your own position with the Lord. Mm-hmm. When you think about the story of David and Michal, when it said when he was bringing in, and it, the Bible says that he took off his outer outer garments and he began to dance in the Lord, yeah. dance in the presence mm-hmm. of the Lord. His wife Michal laughed at him, yeah. and the Bible says that she died bitter and barren, <laughs> yeah. uh, because she missed out on. She was so listen. Here's the deal: like for years, the Ark of the Covenant had been in a different city. It's finally being ushered, and the first time they tried to usher it, it was a travesty because right. they they tried to drive worship. Yep. That's a whole nother yep. word for another day. Yeah. They tried to put the presence of the Lord on a cart and navigate how they wanted God to move. Mm-hmm. Come on, that's a that's another that's word. But, yeah. but when they finally did it with the sacrifice that it was required, because remember he went back to the word. He Y'all, this is in 2 Samuel, I believe it is. Um, he went back to the word and he began to, to, to the original commandments and it's like, oh, in order to bring the presence of the Lord, there has to be blood being shed in the, there had to be sacrifice. Had to be sacrifice. There, in order to cleanse the path of the Ark of the Covenant. And so mm-hmm. when he does that, there's such elation that the presence of the Lord was entering into the presence of the city. He's focused, he's on, he is focusing on response to the pr- presence of the Lord and she misses it because she's watching Because she's too worried about him. Yep. <laughs> and how many times is that us, you know? Yes. In, in worship, you know, not, not a prophetic praise, you know, that we do it crazy. And there's, you know, there's some crazy stuff. It's crazy stuff. But again, man, I really wish I could see God the way that person is seeing yes. God right now. You yes, know? yes, yes. You know, I'm I'm working on just checking my own heart in that situation. Like, God, help me because I need help because yeah. this is distracting for me. Yes. So, you know, help me get to this place where I can see you the way she sees you. That's good. And uh, and that takes a lot of the that takes a lot of the tension off it too. Like, you know, that's crazy. It might be crazy. <laughs> you know, like we've seen weird supernatural. Stuff, yeah, know? supernatural. Yeah, exactly. it's supernatural. It's not natural. It's it's outside the box of, of comfort zone. It's outside the box of what can be described. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So now here's an interesting thing. So we've talked about how we learn from this. So we always want to say, like, what is God saying to me in this passage? Well, we learn that worship involves sacrifice. So let's talk for a minute about the history of worship. Okay. Um, and the presence uh, or uh, Cain and Abel. I'm thinking about even Cain and Abel mm. and how one of the presents, one of the offerings was, this isn't in my notes, so if you're trying to, <laughs> yeah. one of the offerings is is pleasing and the other one is not. Mm-hmm. And, and y'all, I'll be honest, I look at that story sometimes and I'm like, this that story kind of sucks for the one who brought the first fruits. Yeah. But the reality is um, the offering required bloodshed yeah. It was the sacrifice. It was the shed blood, yeah. a, a foretelling of the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the blood that would be necessary in order for us to stand in the presence of God. Yeah. To stand yeah. in the presence of and God. And isn't it um, either 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians where Paul talks about how like putting all these things in an altar and then they're purified by fire, right? And mm-hmm. then like what's, what's left over at the mm-hmm. end? And I see that tying right into that, right? Just along the lines of the the things that we offer in worship, like 
really God's looking for one thing. Mm-hmm. He's looking mm-hmm. for us to bow down and, and sacrifice our position and, That's good. and worship him. Yet we offer, we bring so much to the altar that is just going to be purified by fire. Like yes. it's, it doesn't even really yes. matter, you know, like let's talk about And usually about there are things that we think make us feel worthy of the altar. Sure. Yeah. And the Lord's like, mm, you're worthy because there was already a final blood that was shed. There was a final sacrifice. Right. Yep. And that was the presence of the Lord, or it was Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. In Genesis 22, one of my favorite lines, and there's, this is a great story. Yeah. One of my favorite lines is when Isaac, as they're climbing up the mountain, looks at the father and he says, uh, where's the sacrifice? <laughs> 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 and I, I can't imagine. Abraham was probably like, uh. Yikes. But the point is, is all Isaac knew was that they were going to the mountain to worship. That's mm-hmm. all his father said. But Isaac had been raised in such a way that he knew worship required sacrifice. sacrifice that mm-hmm. required sacrifice. And there have been times I have, And I think Isaac is a picture of that Romans 12 that we're going to get to where it's like, look, I was the living sacrifice in that moment. And I got to live, but I was still offered as a sacrifice in the same moment, which is just an oxymoron. It boggles my mind. But before we go there, the first time, I said the first time we see the word worship in Scripture is in Genesis 22, which, Mm -hmm. by the way, is the first place we see the word love used in Scripture, Mm -hmm. um, which I think is interesting as well. So it's all around a story of worship, which is all around a story of sacrifice, Mm -hmm. which is all around a story of obedience and recognizing the position of God. But the first place we see the Hebrew, remember I talked about the Hebrew word Mm -hmm. shaka? Mm -hmm. Which reminds (laughs) me of the word shekinah, which is kind of interesting. It is interesting. I don't know if they're rooted. I'll have to look up the root words and see if they're connected at the root. But shaka, the first time we see that is in Genesis 18 and Genesis 19. Genesis 18 is the story where Abraham looks up and he saw the three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and he bowed low to the ground. Right. So again, if you look at that in the Hebrew, it's that word shakah. And so we see the picture of what it looks like, whether he's recognizing these are men of honor and I'm going to, I'm going to physically manifest the honor and the recognition of their position by bowing low to the ground. Mm. Same thing in Genesis 19. The two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. When he, meaning Lot, saw them, he got up to meet them and he bowed down with his face to the ground. So we see, again, these first three, these two plus the, the Genesis 22, these are the first places where we see that word shaka used in Scripture. And two things that we're seeing over and over again, and that is the idea of bowing down to lay prostrate, the mm-hmm. recognition of an authority figure, the deity of God, mm-hmm. and sacrifice. And sacrifice. That's so good. Gosh. So read Romans 12, 1 for me. Yeah. What does this mean to us today in the New Testament? Yeah, Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. All right, so what does this mean? I want to go back to what you talked about in the beginning when you were talking about athletes yeah. and recognizing just that my body, I'm going to give my body yeah. As a sacrifice. Yep. There is no position that understands this better than offensive linemen <laughs> on a football <laughs> team. Um, they 
Gosh, because everything they do receives no glory, no praise. They continually lay their body down for their quarterback, That's for good. their running back, That's good. That's for their really wide good. receivers, for the other positions That's on the really team. Good. It's what they do is they offer their bodies as a living sacrifice <laughs> every game. And this is why Romans 12.1, I love teaching this to athletes, especially football players, because they get it. Oh, yeah, it makes sense. I do offer my body as a living sacrifice. So, all right. You, you know, you do this in football. We do the same thing for Jesus. We do the same thing for the Lord. The Bible calls us to, to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice mm-hmm. for God. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? Well, it, it looks like, you know, laying down our lives for our neighbor. It looks like, you know, I, I love even just a lot of the, um, the racial conversations that we're having in our, our culture and yeah. our world today, which yeah. are so needed. Um, but, you know, athletes, there's a lot of just racial tension there on football teams mm-hmm. and, and stuff, right? And so I use this passage to go, this is what God calls us to do. That's you know, good. our our our, um, our white players and our black players, what does it look like to lay your body down as a living sacrifice mm-hmm. for someone who sees the world differently than yeah. you do? They're great Because we are one team. Yeah, yeah, exactly. One team, and they get that. They get they it because they want to win. And at the end of the day, we all want to win, right? Yeah, exactly. we want to win. And we understand that unity is what brings win- what brings winning. Mm-hmm. The Bible says in Psalm 133, how pleasant, how good how it is when my brethren dwell in unity. For there the Lord releases mm-hmm. his blessings. That's so good. Yep. And it talks about the anointing. And so that, I digress from that. But to your point, like there's, there's unity in that when we recognize like there are going to be times and places submitting one to another. We, I deal with this all the time in, in marriage counseling. Mm. And, you know, I'll say, like, who's supposed, to, who's supposed to sacrifice in a situation like this? And they both should say, I am. Yeah, it's a trick question. <laughs> and what's interesting <laughs> is uh, the husband will say sometimes, well, she should because she should submit herself. And she will say, well, he is because he should be laying down his life. And the answer is you both should be, mm-hmm. right? So if two billy goats come head to head on a very narrow bridge... You can't cross this way to get to the other side. You can't turn around because it's so narrow. Mm-hmm. The only way both get what they want is one has to lay down and the other one has to cross over. Mm-hmm. And then I often say, which one lays down? The one who's most confident in who they are in Christ and most in love with the sovereignty of God in their life. Mm-hmm. Who recognizes it doesn't matter because yeah. there's a sovereignty that I am that I am recognizing in this space and it goes far beyond this relationship. Yep. So I want to um, I want to connect this. So we're looking at let's narrow this down to two things. We're talking about the the posture of recognizing the bowing down before the deity of God and the importance of sacrifice and the things that get in the way of that. There's so many different directions we can go in. First of all, let me say this. We are all worshiping something. We are are designed to be worshipers. And so if you are not bowing down to God with an intentional basis, and and, and I'm going to include actually physically in that. Like if you have not actually physically positioned yourself low, whether it's laying face down, laying flat on your back, bowing down, whatever it is, I'm going to highly recommend that you put yourself in that position in the presence of the Lord. It doesn't have to be in church. I understand that feels weird. It feels awkward. It can be however, wherever. But it is a powerful position. We're all worshiping something. And so I think a lot of times we don't recognize, again, if you take a look at the fact that this is a posture or an attitude, it's not necessarily just a physical position. But there are a lot of times when we are bowing down to the opinions of other people. We're bowing down in our relationships. I mean, this is the heart of abuse. Yep. And we are worshiping 
<laughs> I mean, draw, I mean, you could just make a list of the things that oh, we're worshiping. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to kind of keep that real and recognize that the best way to prevent yourself from worshiping something that is false is by practicing worshiping the real thing. Yep. That's yep. how they that's how they learn how to recognize counterfeit money. They study the real dollar. Because right. there are so many different forms of counterfeit out there. The only way to recognize if it's counterfeit is that it doesn't fit yep. the real thing. Yep. And Satan loves counterfeit things, right? <laughs> he does. And how about Satan being a worship leader in heaven? Yeah. Oh, that's all. <laughs> He's like, oh, that's a whole topic. I was like, we can do a whole video. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah, but it's, so Satan cannot create, right? Mm -hmm. So he just takes what God God creates and he distorts it. Yep. And he tries to make it his own. Mm -hmm. So it does, it says the Bible, he says that he masquerades himself as an angel of light. Mm -hmm. And so he appears. So the best way to guard yourself against becoming prey, falling into worship of false idols and, and again, I think most people might be watching this and going, oh, I, well, I don't do that. I don't bow down to this. I guarantee you there is something in your life that the opinion of it, the emotion of it, the circumstance of it takes precedence over the presence of God in your life. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. the core of anxiety. Yeah, yeah. Fear, anger, like, yeah, yikes. <laughs> so we're going back to... The power. So what I what I think I hear us saying is the power of worship to deliver you from fear, to deliver you from anxiety, to deliver mm -hmm. you from anger. Like I wonder, really, honestly, if on a daily basis, I'm gonna try this in my counseling room with some of my clients, giving them, hey, for the next five or six days, I want you to literally lay in a worshipful position and just focus on the presence of God, mm -hmm. His authority, His deity, His sovereignty, His love, His power, His presence. Yeah. And watch what happens. Watch everything else be like, who? Yep. What? Yep. Absolutely. Okay, so that was question one, was who are we worshiping? Mm -hmm. as far, or who are we bowing downtown as far, far as worship? And question two is, what are we sacrificing? Yep. And I think that can be good or bad. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I think sometimes we're sacrificing the wrong things. Like yeah. a lot of times people are sacrificing their own dreams, their own opinions. So you don't want to sacrifice those things. Um, but... I, oft, I, I do think there is power in sacrifice and really coming before the Lord, like Isaac, as you're entering into worship and going, okay, where's the offering? Mm -hmm. Where's the offering? Because yep. that's what he says. Like, where's the sacrifice? Where's the offering, Dad? Mm -hmm. And what is it in my life you want me to all offer, lay down, and sacrifice on the altar? Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. So, all right. So this wraps up today. Do you have anything else you want to say? This was really good. <laughs> <laughs> so just giving you an example or giving you the premise of worship as we go and we continue to talk about more worship. Until next time, remember, do you know what it is? Enforcing purpose. It starts, it starts with you. With you. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can also find me on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, or you can check out my other podcast show, Enforcing Purpose with Lisa Schwartz. For general information or resources, head to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com. Thanks for listening.